This is Alex Sanfilippo. I'm the host of the podcast called Creating a Brand and the founder of the SaaS startup, podmatch.com. I connected with Pablo first at a podcasting meetup in Jacksonville, Florida. And I believe that you should also connect with Pablo because he's a true person of value, always seeking to help everyone he meets. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, in my walks, every man I meet is my superior in some way. And in that, I can learn from him. This means every single person you've ever interacted with has done something slightly different than every single other person, and therefore has something to teach you, and you, my friend, have something to teach them. This means every conversation you have is both a chance to learn something and a chance to make an impact. Every room full of people you walk into is both a library and your stage. And the better you get at getting to know people, the value they each inherently bring, and how to share it with others, the greater the impact you can make on the world. My name is Pablo Gonzalez, and I've created a system called the Relationship Flywheel, designed to create impact through relationships at scale. And this podcast is a living document of how to do it. So hit subscribe right now. If you want to learn how to get to know people, get them to know you, and build a world-class network. Some episodes will be interviews, some episodes will be regular calls with people building rapport, and some will be tactical advice to teach you how to build your own relationship flywheel and achieve anything you want. Now smash that subscribe button and let's get connected. Welcome back to the Chief Executive Connector podcast. I am your host and Chief Executive Connector, Pablo Gonzalez, and I am pumped up to talk to my guest today. He's just this big old stud I met at a podcasting conference always. Actually, I met him at a podcasting networking group locally in Jacksonville, always sharply dressed, bright, bright young man. He is the host of a top 20 entrepreneurship podcast, Creating a Brand. He's also a, a very skilled community builder, and I've, and, and I've been admiring his ability to create a community around his Creating a Brand podcast. And unsurprisingly, he's also the founder of podmatch.com, which is a SaaS service that automatically matches podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. Uh, a visionary, an executor, an implementer, an integrator, all in one, an entrepreneur, somebody that I can't help but admire both intellectually and physically. Alex, welcome, welcome to the show, man. How are man, you, you talked me up way too much. This whole thing's me a huge letdown now. I'm sorry, everyone who's listening today. All right, man, prove it. I'm prove just it. kidding. I'm gonna I'm to, just I'm kidding. I'm gonna make you prove it. Thanks for having me, man. This is I'm really excited to be here with you, dude. I'm pumped to I'm pumped to spend some time with you, man. We've spent we've spent a little bit of time here and there together, and 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 we've been in contact now for probably over a year, man. But to to get to pick your brain is something that I'm really looking forward to. And as I as I kind of told you ahead of the show. This thing's about human connection, right? I, I would love for our friend that is listening in her ear right now and 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 getting to know you to 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 really connect with you. And I think the quickest way people connect is adding value, and and the other one is to share a vulnerability, man. So I like to ask all my guests: Is there something that you're struggling with right now? Is there something you struggle with in the past, so that so that we can have our friend here, you know, see you for the human that you are before I paint you as this mythical beast? <laughs> right. Uh, I actually really love this question. I've never been asked this on a podcast before, and I've been on hundreds of shows at this point. So that's a really to to you, to who you are, to what your podcast is. This is a great question, and what immediately comes to mind when you ask it is I know we'll get into Podmatch a little bit today. 
but it's actually the agency side of Podmatch. So we have two sides of it, the individual side and the agency side where there's representation. So it's somebody who might have a bunch of clients. I built that thinking we have a lot of podcast networks and booking agencies join, which we have, but there was this whole other side of it and it's called a PR firm. And Pablo, if I can just be transparent here, I didn't know what a PR firm was. So I had to go Google that. And then when I saw public relations, I didn't know what that meant. So I had to go Google that as well. Long story short, I'm realizing there's a a desire for what we're offering to PR firms, but I have no idea how to connect with those individuals or how to find them. I know nothing about that space. So where I'm kind of struggling right now is trying to figure out how to get my foot in the door with PR agencies. Interesting, man. So when you are you are somebody that as long as I've known you, you have your hand in a lot of buckets. You are constantly growing and learning stuff. So I'm assuming that you are taking on this new challenge. From the outside in, I assume you're taking this thing in stride because you always show up really, really well composed. Being that this is a endeavor within an endeavor within an endeavor that you've started. Yeah. Does it get easier, man? Does it get easier to like face the unknown? Is this is this something that you're just kind of getting used to or or are there still challenges involved? Have you developed a methodology when you're tackling something like this? You know, what I've what I think I've developed is the the right mindset to go into it, knowing I'm just going to step into the unknown every single day at this point. Like it's just the way that it goes. And at first that was kind of scary, maybe even caused a little bit of anxiety, but it's not I don't want to say I'm numb about it now or of it. It's just one of those things that now I know that like, hey, this is going to be something new. And I believe as long as I stay the student, I continue learning, continue asking for help along the way, I've been led in the right direction. I mean, somebody has been where I'm going before. Let's put it that way. Sure, I'm paving a new path perhaps, but somebody's done something somewhat similar that can help out. So yeah, it's a new thing every day and it's it's kind of scary to do, but I, I've I've learned to thoroughly enjoy it and embrace it through just having the right mindset day in and day out. This this mindset. What do you use to sharpen that? Are you somebody that has like a, a like a really strict morning routine? Are you are you like into meditation? Are you like reading the Stoics? Like, is this something you've always done? It's not something I've always done. Actually, I used to be really unintentional with my time, especially in the mornings and stuff. I would just kind of like get up whenever I felt like it, type of thing. But yeah, now I actually have a very strict evening and morning routine. And there's there's a little bit of meditation, perhaps. What I really implemented was something by Dr. Caroline Leaf. She calls it the five steps. Uh, the neuro cycle. And it's just these five, this five step process you walk through every single day where you're basically reflecting on your past day and you're kind of centering around like one idea from like how you can improve on that day, writing about it and then like re-reflecting on it and then taking some sort of action that day to, to step in the right direction. Let's put it that way. And that type of thing has really helped me as part of my morning routine. Me being a, a, a Christian, a believer, I spend time in the Bible every morning that helps me really get my mind right as well. So it's a a few things I'm doing every morning like this and making sure I'm eating at the same time. I do some intermittent fasting so I don't eat till a certain point before I open my email or anything like that. I'm I'm giving myself some creative element so I can actually try to, I take 20 minutes to like write up some idea for like a business. And 99% of the time I do nothing with it, but just the act of being creative has really helped me. So when I do get my email, I kind of have this mindset already of like creativity is going to be what helps me get through. Interesting, man. So give me a little bit about your past, right? Like, I, like I know that you were in the, you were in the aerospace in- industry for, for a while. C- give me kind of like how you got here because you, you've touched on curiosity and creativity twice. And mm-hmm. I kind of want to juxtapose that from the environment that I think you came from. Uh, so I would love to give me like a little bit of an origin story of how you got to here. Yeah. So I did 15 years in aerospace 
And when I started in that, first off, I have to say this because your audience probably thinks the same thing everyone does. I'm not an astronaut, I'm not a fighter pilot, and I'm not a skydiver. So what I was doing is I was running a commercial operations division for a uh, multi-billion dollar organization. So I was part of the senior leadership team, which I worked my way up to that. But when I started in the organization 15 years, I guess it's 16 years ago now, I retired last year, moved out of it. And I say retired because it was 15 years. I like to think you can retire after 15 years. So I, I moved on from that. But when I started, it was really a small organization. And I started just, I just got out of high school. I started in the receiving department, basically taking out trash for people, breaking down boxes, doing a little bit of receiving work and over the years worked my way up. But here was the thing that I realized in that in the beginning, when I was starting there, if I had an idea, I could just tell one person about it. We, the whole company could do it the next day. But after years and the company growing and becoming part of a, a billion dollar organization, becoming publicly traded, things would take six months to a year to implement that used to be really quick. So it started really weighing on me because I, I believe I kind of have always had a bit of an entrepreneurial mind, but I couldn't flex that muscle anymore. It was not creativity. It was like, how can you structure this now? Which is very good. Most companies dream of getting there, right? But it's like when I did get there, I realized that you know, as much as I enjoyed the job, I was like, this isn't what I want to do long term. I want to get back into something that I feel like I'm actually part of the growth instead of just the system of it, which again, the goal is to get there for just about anybody, but there's something about being in that more startup side where you can, again, have that creativity, have the mindset around what you want to achieve and making daily progress toward it that was very attractive to me. I got you, man. So when you started, you're painting this picture of somebody that started in, you know, the mailroom and then worked his way up in a, in a, in a big nerdy sounding corporation, right? right. Like I, at what point? At what point does starting a podcast about creating a brand come into the equation? Like, where where'd that idea come out of? Yeah, so great question. That was the like my first attempt to start actually flexing that muscle again, if you will, right, of creativity and wanting to to do that. I was doing a bit of consulting at that point for other aerospace companies that were getting started, and then it started jumping into other organizations as well as well that weren't even aerospace. Just some that were they were more starting, and that was when I was working with entrepreneurs because often it was them and one or two other people, or it was just a dream to get started. And I love that. I love giving that information. I was like, you know what? I want to do a podcast. I like to talk. You know, I've got a, I've got a face for radio. I might as well give this thing a solid shot, right? So I just decided to go for it and kind of see where that led. And I, I kept a very open mind along the way, saying, all right, if something can come of this, I'm going to give it a shot. And I had some failed attempts at different things along the way, but the podcast really stuck and did well. And it was something I was able to pursue. It was a, a passion for me, really. That's interesting, man. So you said I can flex that muscle again. Were you a were you like an artistic child? Were you into performing arts? Did you did you do music? Like what what when you say again, what what was what's the again? The okay, so good question. Very good question here. I actually wasn't into the arts at all. Uh, I tried doing music, I tried all these things. I just wasn't very good at any of them. But what I realized I was good at from a young age was business. Strangely enough, when I was 10, I started selling used golf balls in our neighborhood when the rest of the kids were selling lemonade. But I remember selling lemonade one time and watching golfers hit balls in the water, thinking about my profit margin versus what it, my profit margin would be if I grabbed that ball out of the water. And so when the kids are making other kids, I was a kid too, right? When other kids are making $5 on a Saturday, me and three other people that I recruited throughout the neighborhood, we were all 
adorable 10 year old kids but we're making like 100 bucks each every saturday morning when the rest of the kids are bringing like five dollars and at that point like at 10 i was like i'm good at this i'm not good at music i wasn't even good at video games like what an awkward kid right like but i realized you know what business made sense and as i went through high school i always had jobs i did some stuff in real estate right when i got out of high school before the the economy took a turn and things like that but that was kind of for me business has always been the creative muscle that i have and something that i just thoroughly enjoy doing Got it. Did your did your parents nurture that stuff, man? Like, like were they like, yeah, go go do the golf ball thing? Did you kind of do it on the low low? Like, t- t- talk to me about whether you were enabled or encouraged or any of that. Yeah, oh, definitely. I I have I'm so thankful for my upbringing. My parents are incredible people. So my dad, an entrepreneur as well, he was actually a, a guy like a, a name in aerospace, which helped me get into that original gig that I got because I was like, my dad's Andy, you know, like, and that helped a lot. So and then my mom, she was actually she had she has four kids. So I'm one of, I'm one of four brothers and she was cutting hair out of the house when we were growing up. Like she, she'd just bring people over to the house and cut their hair there because she couldn't be at a salon anymore with the kids running around and stuff like that. So it was really cool to see both of them still performing their craft that they wanted to do and things like that. So my upbringing made it very easy for me to fall into this sort of thing, if you will. Got it. That makes a lot of sense, man. So you are, as you're growing the podcast originally, what kind of what kind of issues did you encounter in, in trying to get it done? You, ha- you said you had a couple like failed attempts first. Talk to, talk to me about a couple of those early failures. Yeah. So even before the podcast, I started doing some web development, like started an agency with it. Something I thought I wanted to do, I was decent at it, but I hated working with the clients. I found out absolutely like I, I, they be- I became their slave more or less. Like they were calling me day and night if something wasn't right. Just didn't like that. So that was something that like I just turned off. I started traveling and speaking with the attempt of getting to a keynote position where I could get paid, which is not a good strategy ever. So I traveled around and spent a lot of money speaking and I got really good at it, but getting to the point where you can actually make enough money to offset the cost that's involved with it was pretty tough. So that was another thing that I just had to, to put aside. And when I started the podcast, I decided to do, and I, I, I pivoted a lot of this stuff. So a lot of these things, they, they kind of compound interest to where I am today. I've used most of these things, but when I started the podcast, one of the first things I did was create a community that was a paid community. And it really didn't take off the way I thought it would. I thought that more people would be interested in that sort of thing. I thought I would, uh, from there, earn even more coaching clients as well. Mm-hmm. And it really just didn't work. And I had to continuously adjust and pivot that and make small adjustments along the way until until finally finding something that works, right? The podcast itself was working. So I had to make sure that that stayed the core of it because the show was growing, the listeners were growing, but the products on the side of it weren't really working. So I was constantly making those adjustments and just trying to figure those things out. Talk to me about your lessons learned in, in, in growing community, man. Like what, 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 what works, what doesn't work? Like what, what were the, you know, I'm a, I'm a community strategist myself, right? Like mm-hmm. I, I would love to hear your take on, you had this mighty networks thing, right? Like yep. I, I had heard that there's a lot of friction in getting people to adopt Maddie networks. Like I, me myself, right? Like I joined, I wanted to support, but I'm like, ah, another app I got to open and something else I got to, I got to keep track of, right? Like I, I, I found that difficult, but I always saw you active in it. I did see that other people were posting. So like what, when you're talking about a community not working, like what, what are you judging that by? Is it the monetization or, or is it like the time spent versus growth or, or, or what are you thinking there and what did work? So first off, the big thing that didn't work to just kind of like open this can of worms here was it was not niche enough. It wasn't focused enough. It was too general. And for that reason, there wasn't a big why people needed to join. And like you're saying, it's another app. Yeah, it's tough to get that engagement when you're trying to do that. But if it's if it's really narrow focused and someone says, that's the only place I can get this, 
they don't mind doing it, right? Like think about the apps people download on their phones. They don't download an app if they can go to a website and find the same thing. They download an app when they are like, that is a need that I have. And this is the only place I can find it. I'm going to download that app with no problem. And so my problem was that I had it too general entrepreneurship, super, super general. I even say it now. I'm like, wow, Alex, what were you thinking? You know, like way too general. And that was one of the first things I say with it didn't work. And then again, having that other platform, Mighty Networks, which I still do use with Podmatch. And it does very well now because again, we're a little bit more focused. We are focused on podcast guests and hosts being able to connect and things like that, right? So that works pretty well from a community standpoint. We built our support out of it, all kinds of things. But going back to that, it needs to be having a separate app. It was too general. And there was a paywall in front of it that people just said, I don't really know what I'm going to get for this. There's no way for me to really test it out or see it. And that was a problem for a lot of people, which now I look back and I totally understand. I would be very skeptical of that as well. Yeah, that makes sense, man. So so you've kind of like woven the story of compounding interest of trial and error. You're onto Podmatch. Like I from all the outside indicators, you have you have a big subscription based. It's it's starting to work. Like what are the mm-hmm. what are the things that you rolled into your strategy for Podmatch that you wouldn't have done had you not had these prior failures? Yeah, I think that I, I probably, first off, I would have charged way too much for something that, that I've, I've learned how people value their money. Let's put it that way. And people in general, not there's anything wrong with it. People are a little bit skeptical. And that makes sense. It's why people keep their money because they're not just like, oh, try it and see if it sticks, right? So first off, being really aware of where people are financially, especially in the year we decided to start, which was during 2020, want to be really, people want to be careful with their money. They're not sure what's what's happening in the world and things like that. So we really had to make sure that we did that right. And I think we really hit it right on the money with the, the free version. Then there's also a paid version that wasn't too expensive. It was good for some people that were having thriving businesses during a tough year. So we really focused on that. That was one of the big things. The other thing was how can we add more value, right? Like how can we make sure that people understand this is for podcast guests and podcast hosts that are very specific, that have something that they need to share, right? Something they feel like they need to share, whether it's the podcast sharing things that the guests have on uh, or vice versa. Like they really need each other. And, and really honing in on that and making sure we highlight that point for each person. So for me, that's what it really came down to is how can I individually do that, especially when it was launching, to make sure people feel like, ooh, I, I want to be there. I want to share my message. This is the best way for me to find an ideal guest for my podcast. Really answering those things was something that helped me out a lot. And I pulled that from priorly doing the complete opposite of that, right? Like I, I did a full 180 on it, but I wouldn't have known that stuff if I didn't have those prior failures. There's no way. That makes sense, man. So how do you do that? How do you how do you thread that needle of getting somebody the guests that they want and getting the guests the audience that they want without it just being like, look at all these people and look at this one, right? Like, like how 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 do you approach that? Yeah. So we made this pretty simple, I'll say, because we just kind of took the idea of an online dating app, which is going to look at different variables. So we basically don't quote me on this. The developer, my partner can tell you this, but I believe it's about 40 different variables that go into matching somebody and it Mm -hmm. automatically does these matches. So we've been able to really hone in on exactly like the key points that a guest has and a host is looking for and match Mm -hmm. them straight together. And that's been working really well for us. But it was a matter of actually coming up with what was important, which was a lot of asking people. So it was like a lot before we launched, it was a lot of questions like what really matters in a guest, what really matters on a host that you that you want to have. But that, that's how we've been able to do it is really just having this great matching core algorithm. How'd you, how were you able to reach out to enough people to ask enough questions, man? So actually it goes back to PodFest 2020 in-person event. I don't know if you remember that, Pablo, but we used to actually like shake hands, hug, high five. 
<laughs> I remember high-fiving you in the parking lot when we both showed up at the same time at the bowling alley. Right. Okay. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. And while I was there, I, I asked people what they were struggling with in podcasting. Me being a podcaster myself, I wanted to hear what, what did these people have going on? Because if there's one thing I've learned from these, these failures we've been talking about along the way is that uh, my ideas aren't that great. I need to find what other people are struggling with, right? So there's a lesson there for sure. But I just started asking people and I found guests in the room, people that had books that were coming out and they wanted to talk on podcasts. I found hosts that were saying I couldn't find guests. I was connecting people there. I ended up connecting with just shy of 100 people there and I got their contact information. And when we launched, we launched early beta with them and said, hey, it's not pretty. It's basically all text. There's no logo. There's no nothing. Just tell us if this works for you based off of what you told me just a few months back while we were at PodFest. And we got really great response from day one with these individuals. And of course, we had things we had to tweak. We didn't hit it 100%, right? Like we had to make some adjustments and improve. But people were saying, this is the right direction. It's the first time I've seen the right direction. So for me, it was just connecting with those people in person and finding those most ideal early adopters and, and bringing them on board with it. I think that's huge, man, right? Like I... I don't know how much you know my story, but when I was when I was looking to pivot and I had no direction, I was just kind of like distilling my lessons learned from, I'm going to take this from you. When I retired from the construction industry after 15 years and I, you know, I went into, I went into software, spent a year in a partnership that wasn't right, decided to leave. My move was book four conferences, right? And just talk to people, right? Like get that, get that feedback wheel going. Because I really think that it's an ultra efficient way to grow, right? Like you're getting feedback, but you're also creating relationships that could lead to another opportunity, right? So I, I, I love that approach that you took. And I love what you said, right? Like the your ideas are only your ideas, man. Like there's so much power in crowdsourcing ideas and like bouncing it off of feedback. And no matter how much, you know, I don't know how how close to the original plan it was, but no matter how close it is, there's always stuff that you can add or subtract and, and it doesn't have to take away from your original idea when you can continually pivot based on feedback, man. Yeah, no, you're 100% right. Actually, the whole idea of connecting with people, I actually learned from you. You're one of the greats in my mind in that space. <laughs> Thanks, and man. I remember even when, when we ran into each other in that parking lot, I told my wife, I'm like, that's that's Pablo. I think your name tag said Gonzalez Gonzalez on it. Gonzalez Gonzalez. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and uh, so we made, we still, my wife and I still make jokes about that. But I remember telling her when, as you were walking around, I'm like, that's one of the best, can, like, that guy knows everybody here. Like, if there's somebody to know, it's Pablo because he can introduce you to anybody of these 2,000 people here. And they all are like, oh, yeah, Pablo's my friend. You know, like, so that was kind of like for me, a, a foundational point. I'm like, I, I need to be more like that if I actually want to find a problem people have. People don't trust random people asking what you're struggling with. They trust their friends who are looking out for them. And so I've just always sought out to kind of follow your lead on that. And uh, it's it's served me very well. That's a, that's a really big compliment, man. I, I really appreciate that. And, you know, to go back to you, I I've really admired your business chops, right? Like I like Like I admire your ability to have a full-time job, run a side community, have a top 10 podcast, and now run now launch this like SaaS platform that is that is this new thing and be able to have that jump off. And in my onboard form for podcasting, I'm, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I, I don't know how to pivot towards it, but you wrote a couple of like one-liners here that I, that I that I find fascinating, right? Like doing the right things that don't scale is something that immediately calls my eye, right? Like for me, the right thing is always like preserve the relationship. And then that long term will lead to to scaling things. What did you mean by 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 doing the the right things that don't scale? 
Yeah, it's actually a perfect segue here because it goes right into my my transitioning out of corporate. Like when I left corporate, I wasn't wasn't taking a paycheck from from Podmatch. Like it, it was a risk, and I call it a calculated risk. Like it wasn't stupid. Like the writing's on the wall that it can make money, right? And, and it was sacrificing the good for the sake of the potential great. But I knew I needed to do that. And when people usually make a jump like that, the first place they go in their mind is, okay, how can I get this to scale as quickly as possible so I can get that income back? Which makes sense. That is a natural response. We Security is very important and money leads to security for most people, right? Thankfully, my wife and I have some savings. So we were like, okay, we don't need to rush, but we need to be smart. But again, everyone's mind goes straight to scale. So, But doing the right thing at the beginning that doesn't scale is so important because if you scale prematurely and you're not actually figuring out the real problems, you're going to crash and burn. And I think the best example of this actually for me is Airbnb. If you go back to those early founders, one of the things that they did originally is they went to people that were signing up for their service to be a host, to like put their house on there, right? They'd go to their houses, take the pictures, ask them questions, Like that doesn't scale at all. Like there is no way to scale with that model. But if they didn't do that, I've heard them talk about this. They say they would not be the company they are today. And they still go back to that. When they're going to implement something new, those guys go back out to people's homes again and be like, okay, what's the next thing we can do? Like, what is the next thing we can do? Like, how can we learn from these people that are using our service? And so for me, it all came down to just getting one-on-one feedback. And I have I have a few questions that I always ask people. I like to watch them use the service. They'll do a Zoom call and show me. Yeah, it's 20, 30-minute call, and that doesn't scale. I'll do four of those a week. But I learn so much from that about the people that are actually using my service so that when the time comes that we do scale, I can say with confidence, I know this is what people want because I have seen them use it. I have talked to them using it. A lot of us, we want to get to a scale point by removing ourselves, which again, that, that at some point that might be okay, but initially... You've got to get in there and do these things that don't scale because it's the only way you can build a business that's going to last long term. 100%, man. 100, 110%. Like there's so, there's so much there's so much gold in that. I, as By the way, I followed the same exact path, right? Like JWB is my biggest client. My first three months that I landed that contract, I was breaking even on it because I brought in the biz bros. And I brought in Cody to handle, to handle branding. And I knew that I needed people looking at this thing and looking at this process as I'm like dream weaving through it and, and, Mm -hmm. and launching it. I needed people looking at the holes in it, right? Like, and, and, and looking at like what else needs to implement. And I didn't start, you know, as knowing that it was this like big opportunity, I dove into their business. I was showing up at their staff meetings. Like I remember, I remember that one of the, Alex Safakis, one of the founders of JWB asking me, Hey man, how are you going to scale this dude? You're spending so much time here. I was like, you know, I'm not really worried about it, man. Cause I know that if I can really figure out exactly what this product is for you guys, I can then next person that I go to, I have experience, right? Like it little, little by little, you're able to remove yourself as long as you truly understand the guts and the dynamics that are happening and what's working and what isn't working, man. So Man, that's really, really smart. Like, that's I love it, man. That. Right there. I mean, you're in the same the same boat. And you saying that leads me to believe, hey, there's no way that you're not going to succeed with this because you are actually doing the things that most people just want to skip because it doesn't make sense in our minds, right? It doesn't lead to dollars in our yeah. heads. We have trouble connecting that. But what you're doing, man, that is, that's, that's it. I mean, that's like, the, that's the golden ticket if there is one. 
That's what, like, listen, man, I was, I literally did a Facebook live about this not that long ago. It's like, stop trying to scale entrepreneurs. Like was literally the the thing about it. Cause it's, it's exactly that, man. So when you wrote that, it got me really excited. The other thing that gets me really excited is the other thing that you wrote, right? Like I have always been a huge top of funnel guy, right? Like Mm -hmm. I am, I am Mr. Connector opportunity, whatever. And then it's, if you become my friend, you're with me forever. You can't leave because you're right. Right. So like this thing that you wrote, making the front door bigger and the back door smaller when it comes to doing business with you, man, to me, that that is lifetime value, bro, which to me is, is, is the lifeblood of a company. I would love to hear you explain kind of what you were thinking when you read that. Yeah. So I can't take any credit for this at all. As I mentioned early on, like I am a lifelong learner. Yeah. Joey Coleman has this book called Never Lose a Customer Again. And when I picked up this book, he talked about how he used a lot of different examples, but he was talking about how banks lose like 30% of people in the first 90 days. And their goal is just to get more and more in the front door and just get them there, get them in. And some of they know this many people are going to leave. But his point is, why can't you try to get less people to leave and stay? Because then your business will become more valuable. And it really, really stuck with me. And I actually had the opportunity to interview him. And I don't mean to plug myself here, but if anyone wants to hear that, because we won't get into all of his steps, but it's creatingabrand.com slash 062. Creatingabrand.com slash 062. Well worth the listen. He's a genius. But I realized, you know what? It's called churn rate in SaaS. So it's like people churn. that are coming in and leaving, right? And I realized when I was talking with Joey, I'm like, we, we have this problem. I'm like, people are actually leaving. And it wasn't a large percentage of them. These are the people that were the paid members. So we have the, the free version, we have the paid version. And they would stay, they would just go back to the free version. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really realize what was happening. So what I did is I just very carefully implemented each of the steps that Joey talks about in his book. He has, he has eight different steps, implemented them. And when I tell you we had a 90% drop in churn rate, that's that's what happened. I mean, like I, it blew my mind. It's like a, a perfect system to follow. So what I did is I, st- I started really, again, it goes back to talking to these people that were leaving. It can be a really, really uncomfortable conversation for a founder, even depressing because you were poor. Like for me, man, I was pouring, this is when I was still working really? in my corporate job as well. I yeah. was putting in all my hours I should be sleeping, all my hours I should be doing all these different things, right? Like, or that I would love to go to the beach with my friends, but no, I'm working. And then you talk to this person, it's like, it just kind of sucks. Like, I don't really like it. Like it's, it didn't work for me. And like, to not take that personally and actually find something to learn from that to improve the process so you don't have this happen again takes a level of self-discipline and confidence in yourself that I think is very rare for people, but so important. Most of us, when someone leaves, you're like, don't want to hear what they have to say. I hope they don't leave a bad review. For me, I was going after them saying, hey, thank you so much for giving us two months of your time. I'd love to know what I can do better so the next person doesn't feel that they need to leave or if there's something I could have done to add more value, I'd love to know. And man, some of those people actually came back they said, the fact that you did this and told me you're going to prove what we talked about, I'm coming back. I'm going to keep on paying. And we had that happen a lot. And now today, yes, obviously we still have customers that leave, but it's actually becoming rare, Like, which is crazy. My, my, my co-founder is like, how did you do this? Like, How'd you go from like a 20% down to a 2%? He's like, I don't know what you did to make this happen, but somehow this is working. But it's just a matter of being willing to have those hard conversations, doing those things that don't scale and focusing on how do I keep my customers that I get because I work hard for them and I want to really make them happy. Sorry, I went a little rant there, man. No, man, I love it, dude. Like, I'm just like, I'm sitting here like, preach, you know, like, I, I <laughs> church, man. So 
first of all, I got a, I got a book recommendation for you. It's called Super Consumers by Eddie Yoon. He is the author. I'll, I'll send it to you. Okay, please. I'm like looking around for something to write on. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I got you, man. Like I'm, I'm, so I'm like super deep into categories design these days. I don't, I don't know if you've read Play Bigger or, or highly recommend. Uh, I'm going to send you a couple of recommendations. Of I books need all I of it, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you're really going to like it, man. But yeah, he wrote this thing called Super Consumers, man, and just how, how companies underutilize their super consumers, right? Like from super consumers is who you get these insights from. It is who you get ideas for new products. It is how you can make it better. They can become the the referral source. So it's like diving really, really into your user is is just really, really important. And that's and that's what I'm thinking about when 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 I think about this whole you know, making the back door smaller, right? It's like creating super consumers out of as many people as you can. Stuff that doesn't really, really scale is going really deep in those relationships, but those relationships scale out to other relationships, right? Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, I just lost my train of thought, right? But like, so so we were talking about super consumers. Oh, yeah, man. It's an infinite game, right? So like how you break up matters so much because at the end of the day, that, you know, people are terrible about breaking up. <laughs> like, like yeah. the, the human condition, like most people are not a very, you know, it's hard to do, but an easy differentiator that will completely set you apart from anybody that's breaking up with you is being graceful in the breakup, man. Cause, cause that's when you get a referral from a past client that left you, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I recently lost a client just cause he got too busy and he's like a solo lawyer and he just couldn't like what we did brought too many clients. So now he's just got to go back to billable hour. Right. Like I sent him, I sent him this, like, I know he's an avid bike enthusiast. I send him a bike helmet, man. Like I, like I found out about this company that has this like really innovative bike helmet product. I just sent him a bike helmet as a gift and it is what it is, man. Like, it's just like, thanks for, thanks for the, you know, six months you did business with me, man. That's really special. So, yeah, man, I, you know, I've seen that happen time and time again with Podmatch, but I'll use a really big example. Cause when I was learning this, I still had the corporate job. This was early 2020. And I actually tried this for the first time with a competitor. I mean, we were told to be like cutthroat in aerospace, right? My biggest competitor, I gave him a lead. And I was like, that was probably a stupid idea. Six months later, this guy gives me a a, a six-figure contract from somebody. He's like, hey, I really can't help, but I know this guy, Alex, and he's he's been really helpful for me. Passed it right along without anything, like just like whatever. I was like, I should have been doing this for years. Like, what was I thinking, right? But like leading with that value. And, and even though, yeah, sure, it's, it's somebody that you're technically supposed to not be friendly with. But when you just step out of your comfort zone and do the right thing you should do as a human, it really turns into something great. Like it adds a lot of value to somebody and that I usually find that returns to you. 100%, man. It's a, like, I, I get, like it goes back to the whole networking thing and the whole like leading with relationships, man. It's so, so valuable. But you you hit on something that I really would love to dive into, man. Like you, you are the busiest man in the world. You are, you're married, you have relationships, right? Like you have a healthy group of friends. Like I've I seen it, right? Like I, I've been trying to get you to come play spike ball. I know, um, I'm gonna get out there. I know, I, man. <laughs> I believe it, I believe it. It'll be there for you, man. We were just bonding about this a second ago, right? Like this idea that when you are, when you are nurturing a business, it's like having a kid, man, right? Like, like it is a 24 seven, it's really hard to turn off. And if you're not careful about it, it'll bleed out into your relationship and, and all of a sudden your significant other doesn't feel like you're present for them. How have you experienced this? What is your thinking around this right now? Let's let's jam on this because I'm I'm deep into this too. Yeah, this is this is a tough one, man. And and you and I have both seen this happen time and time again. You hear the stories, you see the people that their spouse ends up leaving them during this type of thing. And and I don't bring that to be negative, but you see it a lot because your business becomes number one ex- instead of the relationship. 
I mean, I made a commitment to my wife to keep her first. Like that was, that was the commitment. I can see now why it can be hard when you have so many things going on that you feel like will only take a little while, right? In our mind, most of us entrepreneurs, we're like, I could do this in six months or a year, right? Like it's only six months or a year and we're so motivated. That to us doesn't sound like a long time anymore. But reality is this is going to be something that's part of your life for a long time. And you have to find a way to put it into your life instead of make it your life. And there's a big difference there. And at first, when I started this thing, it started scaling up. Uh, I'm using that word scale. It wasn't really scaling, but like we started actually launching the product, right? I remember there was over summer, I worked every weekend. So my wife would go to the beach with our friends and I'd be back home working. I'd work night and weekends because my job in aerospace was really busy at that point as well. I mean, it was a tough year for aerospace. So we were like, we were trying to make things work there as well. Like, and I, I remember at one point she came home and just kind of was like, I feel like I haven't seen you in like two weeks. I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm always, I'm working from home. I'm right here. But connecting with somebody and just seeing them is totally different. She had become a roommate or a colleague, whatever it might be, instead of actually my wife. And when I realized that, and some of my friends asked like, hey, haven't heard from you in a couple of weeks. How are you? When that started happening, I realized, okay, this isn't me. Like historically, this has never been, like I haven't heard my wife say that. I've never heard my friends ask these questions about how I am. And yes, I was busy. I could use that excuse all day. But the truth is you have to find a way to build that in and to create a lifestyle around what you're doing if you're gonna be able to do it long-term without burning out or burning out your relationships and they're just gone, right? We've Again, we've seen that happen. So for me, it turned into one of these things that I, I had to just draw a line in the sand and say, that's it. Like, okay, you know what? Saturdays are off. I am not gonna work on Saturdays anymore. And I had to make that commitment. And that commitment was first to my wife and then it was also to my friends saying, hey, listen, call me out on it. Like I remember a handful of my closest friends, I sent them a video that I made. It's like a two minute video. I was like, I need you to call me out if you don't see me, if you don't hear from me, right? And I gave them some specifics. And I did the same thing with my wife. I was like, hey, listen, when it's time for me to stop, you have permission to come in and tell me to stop. Like I'm in my office, open the door and be like, it's time to call it, talk, call it quit. And since then I've stopped the second she says that, like I close everything right up, it can all be there in the morning, right? But it's one of these commitments we have to make. It feels scary. It feels like you don't have time, but if you don't carve it out, it is going to really harm you in the long run. I've, and I've found that to be so true because I feel better and I get more done in six days than I was doing in seven, believe it or not. Dude, boundaries are so huge around this, right? Like like the number one, I applaud you for having the self-awareness of when you get feedback from people that you love not to react, you know, defensively, right? right like often, yeah. often that's where we go, right? Yeah. It's just like, well, dude, but I'm working on my dreams, man. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> cool, man. But like, you know, you, you, you got other people around you that no man is an island, right? Like, and I, I see you as someone that really values their relationships, man. And I, and I, and I find that really, really admirable. The other thing that I find is exactly what you said, but I'm around. We're like, I see you every day, right? Like it's, the when people I, and and not even a husband and wife right but like if, if if someone if someone cares for you you have to be present for them you can't just be you you, you can't just be around like you gotta you gotta like prioritize and, and be present right like i i definitely had to learn that in the sense of making sure that there are times where there is sacred moments in our week right like just like mm-hmm. you have saturdays I have like, we have time blocks that are, you know, once a week date night, you know, at first we started with Sundays after four, but I kind of, 
we changed that around because I like to start preparing for the next for the week me on too. Sunday on Sunday evening. So it became difficult for me, but I applaud my wife for for being flexible with it. So now it's Saturday's afternoon, right? So like Saturday I can do it, right? And then Sunday morning is spike ball with my friends and 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 usually my me time is from five a.m. to like eight eight a.m. before she wakes up, kind of thing, right? right? But it's it's so important to to keep that stuff sacred and and to and to have the boundaries around it and not to not to get stuck in the trap of but I'm doing this for us because mm-hmm. there's a real there is yeah sure it is kind of for us but it's for it's for you right like like you're like you're building out this business and you want to be successful and and a lot of it is it is very you know it is like what I can accomplish and 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 you're challenging yourself but there's always there's always something you can do more when somebody in your life is giving you that warning sign like what well, like what can you what can you take responsibility of, man? Which I find really, really important. Yeah, so do I. I think that this is just this is a topic that is not covered enough. Like even if this is a you know a connecting podcast and things like that, or yeah. business related more so. Like this is still really important for anyone to talk about because it really does affect all of us. As a matter of fact, I, I know you do a good job covering some some topics. I think it was episode sixty five. You brought on somebody named Kim. I'm blanking on her last name now, but you're talking about like building a, oh, a bucket Kim's list. Amazing, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that that type of thing inspires me. I'm like, oh, I should do that. That gives me more purpose when I am hanging out with those people, right? Like that type of thing. A great episode. Everyone who's listening to this, go back and it, it, was it 65? I don't I don't know, but I think, I'll check right now while you're while you're while you're talking. Okay. About it. I, I think, but anyway, it really just a cool idea of like, hey, why don't you make the time meaningful that you have with somebody as well? So it's not just like okay, I'm not working. What do you want to do? You want to watch TV or you want me just to sit here and have dinner with you? Like, what do you want, right? Like, get out and do something. I don't even mean spend money. Like, go for a walk. Do something that is has some form of meaning, a little bit more merit to it because it really, that creates an experience and that's what really connects people and gets them closer together is when you feel like you experience something with another human being, that's what you remember. That's how your life improves and gets better. And I found this to be true. So I'm, I'm doing my best to do this and it's going to start with making a better bucket list, you know? Like, I think that's a cool idea of, of things to do, but this is so important for us all to really get. I mean, more so than anything else I shared, I think this is probably the big point is to take care of your relationships, whether you're married or not, make it your friendships. You've got to really invest in this. Dude, huge. I'm going to, I'm going to connect you to Kim, man. She's, so she's, she's got the book coming out. Like she's, she's awesome, man. Like she's really, really an awesome person, man. Like, but I appreciate you calling that out. I'll, I'll, I'll link it in the show notes. I don't want to waste time. Like I, I felt myself being not present when you were talking and yeah. I didn't want to be like doing that. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't, I mean, it's your content. You're excited about it, right? Of course, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 It is. Listen, dude, you've, I, I gotta say, you've done a very good job you are very emotionally intelligent, right? Like from the stories you tell to like your, your, your personal touch of like the little compliments that you drop here and there for me. Cause you know that I, you know, I soak them up and it's making me happy. And then that brings out my energy and, and, and comes out, man. Like I really, really appreciate that. What, what made you, what made you want to be friends with me, man? Like what, you know, like, I, I feel like you're one of these guys that has the opportunity to be friends with anybody. And, and, and like, what, what makes, what makes you like, kind of want me around your, your universe in any way to, to give some advice there? Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what it was. And I, I'm, I'm really glad I actually know. Cause sometimes people ask questions like that. I'm like, Oh, you just seem cool. Right? Like, no, <laughs> I know exactly what it was. We went to this meetup group. It was yeah. at Buzzsprout in Jacksonville, Florida. Like that's, that's the hosting provider that, that I use. And I'm guessing probably you use, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah and sure. so we were there like a, a big meetup group. There had to be like 70 people there. I mean, it was crazy. It was, it was awesome. Yeah, and, but when, when you walked up, you, you walked up to me and introduced yourself. And what I realized is unlike most people, your eyes weren't looking at who to talk to next. You were completely there with me, wanted to know what I had going on. And you were really engaged with that conversation. 
So at that moment, I felt like, oh, wow, like Pablo is here for me right now. He's not here for these other people. And that is so rare. I find especially entrepreneurs with that mind, they're always looking at the next thing. They can be talking to you, but they're looking right past you. What you did in my mind is embody something that I've heard Dr. Ivan Meisner, the founder of BNI. He says, be where your feet are. Be where your feet are. And in that moment, I realized, I'm like, you know what? To him, there's no one else in the room now. It's just me. And he really cares and wants to know what I've got going on. And then you follow up with it. Like I knew in that moment, I was like, this is the only person in this room that's talked to me that wasn't looking over my shoulders. Not because it's me, but just because it's like, there's so many people here. It's sensory overload, right? You found a way to hone in and be like, no, it's it's me and Alex here right now. And that's what really stood out. And that's why I knew that you're that person of value that that I seek to be as well. And the rest is history, man. That's awesome, man. I appreciate that, dude. I, you know, I, I, I used to ask that in an interview and now, now I just kind of like, now I ask it in interviews where it really makes sense to ask, right? Like if, if, if the conversation is going there, man, but I really mm-hmm. appreciate that answer. And I, you know, I, I take it as, as like a living document of what, what works, right? Like, I, like, I think it's really important, man. You ready for the lightning round? Let's do it. Bam, 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 bam. Okay. <laughs> what is your favorite restaurant? Where is it? And what do you order? I really like Three Forks, Jacksonville, Florida. It's, it's about 15 minutes from my house and they have a filet that will blow your mind. It's so good. And I always want to bring leftovers home because I'm usually good at portion control. I just can't, can't seem to get it down there. I'm, I'm going to eat anything that's on my plate. Let's put it that way. I like it, dude. I like it. I always finish my plate. I, I It's something about <laughs> being like the Hispanic kid that was the youngest in my family and everybody. Oh, would, you had to. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I had to. I had to. What content are you most into right now? Like, like you're a voracious reader, right? Like what is, what, what, what are you reading right now? What, what is, what is feeding your brain right now? Yeah. Lead to Win by Michael Hyatt is what I've got my hands on right now and trying to really wrap my head around it. He's someone who has spoke to me for years. I mean, he's the first guy I found when I started blogging. And still this day, I just, I feel like when he writes something, it's for me. So I'm like really just kind of savoring that, if you will, going through it. Awesome, man. You are, I'm going to veer off of this thing. You, you're a content beast, right? Like you, you used to blog, you make podcasts, you know, like what, what is it about making content that that does it for you, man? Like, why why do you why do you keep it in your life? You know, I'm, I'm, I can hold this up right here. I have literally on my desk next to me. If no one's watching on video, it doesn't matter really. But I'm holding two journals, and people are like, "You carry around two journals." I just find that my level of self awareness is directed to the amount of things that I write down or speak that I can rewatch or or talk into a microphone. For some reason, that does way better than just not intentionally reflecting on anything. And I just find that that's the best way for me to do those things. So when I started writing, it was for me, it was an act of self-reflection. And so in, in all honesty, I was dyslexic as a kid. I really struggled to read and write. That was really, really hard for me to do. Even going into high school, I was like years behind at one point, just trying to keep up. And now it's such a big part of my life and not because of that necessarily, but because I realized, again, it helps me be more self-aware. It helps me process things and then I just realized one day, I'm like, why don't I just share my journey, what I'm going through? I try to be transparent with what I write. I'm not like a creative writer. Like I can't tell the best story, but I can tell you what I've got going on in my head and I can try to articulate in a way that makes sense to other people. And it's just become really part of who I am. I can't imagine excelling in life the way I do without that sort of thing. So you do it as a way to increase self-awareness, man. That is the first person that I've ever heard say <laughs> that. And it's brilliant. Like, like, listen, I, I, I get... I talk about it as journaling a lot, right? Like this historical document of your life, but to to frame it in in the scope of increasing self-awareness, I think is really extraordinary, man. That's really, really cool. What is your favorite piece of advice you've ever gotten or like your go-to piece of advice you like to give people? 
Yeah, to to seek to be a person of value, not a person of profit. I think a lot of us we we have this idea of we, we've got to get to profit, right? And yeah, that that is there's some importance there. But when you lead with value, I find the profit usually follows, and that's something that I always want to remind myself of: to always be in what I do to serve the one person who needs me most, instead of the paycheck at the end of the day. And since I've had that mindset, which has only been a few years I've had, I wasn't born with that mindset. But since I've been able to develop that, I find I'm happier and feel more fulfilled no matter what paycheck follows it necessarily or what comes from it. But if I know I really added value to someone's life, then for me, I can go to bed really happy about that. And that to me is a really important thing. That's huge, man. That's awesome. You know, right now is your platform, promote whatever you want to promote, right? Like I'm going to I'm gonna link in the show notes here to creating a brand, the the free trial of creating a brand, whatever that, you know, you can explain what that is or or send people to Podmatch or, or whatever. The stage is yours right now. Yeah, thank you. First off, this is the right place to hang out. I mean, with the CEO, right? The chief connective, or sorry, chief executive connector. Is that what yeah. it is? CEO, right? Yeah, CEO, thanks. CEC, uh, I knew- CEC. Listen, I think I think I got to junk that name because everybody messes it up, right? Like, I ha- like I'm starting to develop, like I'm, I'm like really in love with this like chief executive connector like moniker, but people mess it up all the time. And I'm like, I guess it's not that good. You know, like I, I'm not, I'm not asking you to compliment it. Right. I'm just saying like, you're a brand guy, right? Like I think I got to have something that that's easier to roll off the tongue, but continue. <laughs> all right. That's a story for another time, but that, that's, that's cool. That's interesting. <laughs> oh man. You can find everything I'm doing at creating a brand forward slash free. And that's really just going to give you a link to everything I'm doing. It's where my podcast is at and all that. If you want to check it out and then podmatch.com. Also, you can sign up for free if you're interested in being a, a guest or a host uh, on that platform, really easy to use. It can kind of just follow the prompts from there. But honestly, again, this is the right place to hang out. I mean, you're adding so much value with this show, man. I'm going to recommend your audience hang here. This is the place to be. I appreciate it, man. Last question that I ask everybody is where do you find community? Yeah. So for me, I find community in in my circles. Like I've got friends and it's connecting in person for me. So really that can be just about anywhere. It's It's a place where I'm with my people and we're just kind of enjoying our lives. So I commonly find that ends up being the beach. Like I live in Jacksonville, Florida, just a few minutes from the ocean, being out there, hang out with friends, even if we're just doing nothing, we're relaxing. I thoroughly enjoy that. And that to me is kind of like, that's my sweet spot. And I'm, I'm just as happy as I ever can be if I'm, I'm hanging out right there. Dude, Alex, this is, uh, this over delivered for me, man. Like I, every time I, every time I'm around you, I, I walk away really, really impressed, man. Like you, you really, you really over deliver on a lot of things. I'm really impressed by your level of emotional intelligence. Like I, I, I was always really impressed by your drive and kind of like this, like put togetherness that, that, that you have. And, and my vision of you just like doing a bajillion things at once and being unfazed by it and being like, and showing up the way that you do. But your level of emotional intelligence is really, really impressive, man. And I'm, I'm really just happy to be in your circle, man. Happy to call your friend. Like, like I, I, I really think I'm going to learn a lot of things from you over the years, and I hope that I can add value back to it, man. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely, yeah. Thanks so much for having me, and this was seriously an honor to be on the show with you. Appreciate it, bro. The key to building your relationship flywheel will rely in your ability to design and build your own stage where you can have conversations with people, getting to know them, understanding their value, and sharing it to the world. This is the service that I offer, and I offer it to $100 million companies where we're setting record-breaking sales goals with it. If you want to know more about that, go to connectwithpablo.com. If you're just an individual that wants to build it, subscribe to this podcast 
and subscribe to my email list on my website because coming soon is a community where I'm going to teach this to you personally. Go to connectwithpablo.com.